From the vibrant soul of Sherrianna Boyle comes Just Ask Spirit, a show that reflects Sherrianna's passion to get this world feeling again. Her belief, emotions are the gateway to the soul. Sherrianna and her guest lineup of authors, healers, educators, and visionaries cover a variety of topics related to mental health and spirituality. Each week, Sherrianna and her team of experts share remarkable insights about life, spirit, manifesting, and more. Welcome to Just Ask Spirit. I am Sherrianna Boyle. I'm your host. I'm so excited that you're here to join us today. You are going to absolutely love this show. It's going to be very different than any other show I promise that you've heard before. I, I really believe that. And if you're new to the show, once again, I'm Sherrianna Boyle. And if you're new to my work, I'm the author of a book series called Emotional Detox. And the latest book is called Emotional Detox Now. And Just Ask Spirit is a show. It's about spirituality. Yes. It's about mental health. And sometimes we talk about ancient secrets. And that's what we're going to be diving in today. There's some history, folks, that I think that you ought to know about. And I couldn't think of a better better guest to share this, who's actually had the courage to dive into this history. It's it's part of our history of psychiatry and how we treated mental illness for many, many years, which is pretty much been shoved under the rug. But I'm going to let my guest talk to you more about it. Um, his name is Jerry Cantor. He's here. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Sherrianna. So, Jerry, you are... Everyone, listen up. He's a faculty member of Ontario College of Homeo Homeopathic. Homeopathic. <laughs> Homeopathic. <laughs> I can't speak today. Medicine, owner of Vital Force Healthcare and Boston area homeopathy and acupuncture practice. He's the first acupuncturist to receive an academic appointment at Harvard Medical School's Department of Anesthesiology. Jerry Cantor is the author of a book called Interpreting Chronic Illness, The Toxic Relationship Cure, which we are folks going to talk about that book after the break. So this is like double dipping today, okay? Um, and he also has a book called Autism Reversal Toolbox. But what drew me to Jerry and what made me want him on the show is his latest book, which is called Sane Asylums. Sane Asylums, the success of homeopathy before psychiatry, everyone, lost its mind. So, Jerry, <laughs> let's talk about this book. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, what made you write it? I mean, this is, I, I, I know you're a little baffled because you're like, where do I begin, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, because... I'm going to be honest with you, Jerry, I, it blew my mind when I received it in the mail and I don't even know how I got it. I just get books now and then. And this one was like, whoa. <laughs> I'm so glad you did get it, Sherrianna. Um, it's a book that absolutely needed to be written. It was not going to be written by, uh, by conventional historians um, because uh, the truth about it is inconvenient to pharmaceutical medicine. That's the, that's the whole 
deal of it. If you were to go to uh, the medical school department, the departments of history at various medical schools, um, you would see a, a very fictitious tale told about this. Uh, and I blame Johns Hopkins University for having promulgated this. Their publications dominate and um, they're not written by homeopaths and they have a vested interest in presenting homeopathy as a sect, as a heresy, something very inconsequential, very beside the fact, completely untrue. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know if it took courage for me to do it. It was just kind of um, a rabbit hole I fell into and I really couldn't stop myself. I could not believe that this was not being published. That is, this, this history was not known. And today we're so, having a tremendous healthcare, mental health care crisis on so many, le so many levels. Unbelievable. And I hear war stories all the time uh, from people saying they've done great with homeopathy and conventional psychiatry has harmed them or done them no good at all. And they bemoan the fact that they don't know about homeopathy. Well, just talking about that, you know, telling war stories is not enough. Some problems have to be approached from a different angle. And the angle that I'm, I'm, I'm um, talking about now beating a drum for is the history, correcting the history, recapturing a hijacked history, telling people what actually happened, letting people know that Mary Todd Lincoln, for example, the widow of Abraham Lincoln, was de uh, determined to be incurably, incurably insane by a, a, in a major trial. Uh, she was cured by homeopathy. I make a very strong case for that. And uh, especially in contrast to the two existing accounts of what happened to her, they're both equally ridiculous. Um, you know, this is, makes complete sense. Um, I'm getting all over the place, but it's yeah, just no, a story you're not, that to be, you're not, Jerry, to be told. Absolutely. So everyone that's tuning in, what, what Jerry is talking about is, and I'm an adjunct psychology professor, so I've been, and that's part of the reason I was like, holy smokes, because I've been teaching psychology for 14 years. I haven't had one textbook with this kind of information. And I went to school. I have a beyond master's degree in psychology. I didn't come across any of this stuff in my training. And that's why I was like, how does that happen, Jerry? So first of all, what, what, how did you get involved in looking into the history? What, how did that happen for you? Well, I'm I'm a homeopath. I've been doing this for quite some time, and uh, in homeopathic literature and history, we we know all about this. We know that uh, <laughs> these things are not not secret. Samuel Hahnemann was the founder of this fantastic form of medicine, which is very very popular, very well known. He's the only man, to, a foreigner, to have a statue of himself in Washington D.C. It's absolutely gorgeous. People should visit the uh, Samuel Hahnemann Memorial there. Um, well, what happened was I thought. Uh, that I would write a history of homeopathic hospitals first, not having any idea how many there were, hundreds. Um, many of them, you know, there are of course hundreds of, of officially homeopathic hospitals, but also places that were not officially homeopathy that practiced, practiced homeopathy. There was, there was no, uh, no doubt about it. Um, anyway, the topic was too big for me. And then I decided to narrow it down to the uh, topic of the homeopathic mental hospitals. And I was, it's just an amazing history Especially how many of, years uh, are we talking, Jerry? When you say history, you're talking a hundred years. That what are you yeah, talking? Um, well, homeopathy was at its zenith zenith during the the uh, Lincoln administration, and from 1875 on, um, especially given the carnage and the trauma of the Civil War, mental hospitals sprouted up all over the place. Homeopathy was well entrenched then in general, uh, but uh, 
25% of the mental hospitals that arose then were homeopathic. So I'm talking about this book basically covers uh, the, um, uh, the height of homeopathic practice in mental health from 1875, I would say, to 1920. Um, but there are many places that remained homeopathic in name, at least. Um, many hospitals were still homeopathic. I mean, Drexel, Drexel Medical School was the Hahnemann Medical School for quite some time, the found, named after the founder of homeopathy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I learned about this and the, the amazing story of the baseball team that the that represented the Middletown Hospital uh, that Selden Talcott uh, created for the amusement and the treatment of his of his clients. That was an extraordinary story. Uh, I couldn't believe people didn't know about that. It's called the Asylums, and they were a fantastic team. They they beat uh, major league teams. They played everybody, and they did really really well. And um, Selden Talcott uh, recognized that just watching baseball was extremely therapeutic. So I've got a whole mm-hmm. chapter on, on that in the book. Um, but there's just so many things about it. Uh, they, I think they, what, what really where drew me into your work, Jerry, is and what I want the audience to really get is that you, these people were being cured with non-pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, this is all, and maybe you could give an example of one of your phenomenal case studies in terms of, of mental health and how was it treated? So there were hospitals and you said there were over a hundred and we're talking between 1875 and 1920. I know in the 1950s is when they started to really play with the, the pharmaceutical. Is that correct? That well, started to really. So the homeopathic medicines, the thing about them um, is that they're not patented. They belong to they belong to mankind. They belong to nature, just like the acupuncture points. Nobody owes, owns them either. Um, and everybody in those days, before the Flexner report and before, which was in 1910, and before Rockefeller decided to make um, money from his uh, bio petrochemicals um, byproducts, which he could patent, that was the big division. And then the, the pressure. That was exerted on the entire all of society to use these uh, patentable medicines that were run by the profit motive. That changed everything. And the Flexner report, which he and Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie sponsored, you know, that eviscerated the field. That completely changed everything. So that's kind of the, the recognized dividing line that that destroyed holistic medicine in this country, 1910. Um, but yeah, non-pharmaceutical medicine, even conventional doctors didn't practice it. And back 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 in the 1800s. Everybody was using basically the same substances. There was not uh, such a, a paradigm division between the two kinds of medicines. And, every, and all physicians wanted control about how much, over how much of the substance that was used. So uh, there was a lot of overlap back then. But um, yeah, uh, they, were, they, were, they were non-pharmaceutical. They were just basically not patented. What was your question about that? So you're what you're saying, Jerry, is that we there is a whole segment and time in our history when we did not treat what we're seeing very similar today in terms of, you know, let's 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 talk about anxiety, let's talk about depression. I mean, the how did they treat them back then? Because you're saying there were hospitals, right? And I'm imagining it was also for more physical reasons for things like like uh, illnesses that would come up in people. So what give us a sense of what how it was different than what we're experiencing now because now you go to the doctor and you, it's very likely you're going to have a conversation about medication, correct? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, therapy, sure. I'm sure is going to come up and, and perhaps some coping skills and, and things like that. But give, give us a sense of what it was like back then, because we are so <laughs> trained and conditioned it's to go to medicine, different. right? And the marketing yeah. and, and it's in our face. So every time we turn on the TV and there's an advertisement that if you've got this irritable bowel syndrome, then you take this. And if you've got... <laughs> You know, if you've got uh, insomnia, then you take this, right? So, what? Tell yeah. us how okay. it was different. Well, one thing, one thing, nobody wanted to go to, go to the hospital in those days. Um, in fact, most most healthcare was in the home. Doctors still visited people in their homes. The hospitals I'm talking about these are, these asylums. These were for people who were really uh, in very very desperate straits. Um, and madness was very different back then too. People were there was dementia. Uh, drunkenness was a real problem. Um, various kinds of paralysis, syphilis in its advanced stages. So those kinds of cases like that, people were, were sent to places to recover. And it, it took, it, the, the time was allowed to pass. Um, people needed, needed um, to get away from their families, to get away from stresses. And there was no rush to get them, you know, medicate them and get, back, get them back into the community. It was completely different. People were uh, at least in the asylums, allowed the grace of recovering at their own pace. At the hospitals um, in these asylums, I call them sane asylums, especially the homeopathic ones. Um, people got good nutrition. They got all kinds of cultural activities, gardening, music, uh, literature. The nurses were phenomenal. They uh, were well-trained and they, they combated with the patient's uh, mental problems. They, they, they was what was called moral care and moral hygiene. You know, uh, they really were very invested in, in on a one-to-one -one basis, human human level, getting people to to deal with and overcome their 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 spiritual struggles, and uh, that was a combination of, of creating good habits and emotional support and and I guess therapy, uh, and that was just in the hospitals. Um, Oh, there's so much to say because things are so I very, bet. very well, different. Well, of so course much, they so can get they now. can they can get your book, Cherry. So we we don't yeah. need to we if don't need want, to fit it. Yes, and, want, and I by can the give a case, I can give a case from my book about which which kind of um, it's just an amazing case. I, I, I think that would be in. great. Yes, and just as you're getting that case ready, Jerry, I just want to remind the audience that Jerry's book is called Sane Asylums: The Success. Keyword success of homeopathy before psychiatry lost its mind. And what Jerry's shining light on is all the lost years where, you know, we did have a system that worked very well for people. And I love what you're saying. It didn't rush people. We fed people. We took care of them. And I would love to hear this case. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. Remember, um, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Homeopathy, we, we don't have sane asylums anymore. We don't have basically any, uh, well, we have psychiatric facilities where people are drugged and they're not very beautiful. They're pretty oppressive places and people often, you know, feel very deadened by them. But uh, homeopathy, homeopathy does exist. It's uh, kind of under the radar in this country, although 300 million people around the world make use of it. Um, but people like me exist and we work and we do need places where we can have people that we can support, you know, 24 hours of the day. But uh, this is a case that uh, illustrates a, a number of points uh, about the difference between uh, homeopathy and uh, conventional psychiatric medicine. And it's in the last chapter of the book called Investing in Sanity. And it's the case of a, uh, a nine-year-old nine girl who actually has uh, Down syndrome, but nevertheless is rather brilliant. Um, I call her Miranda. 
And uh, one day uh, the family receives a call from the school that uh, during transition from one activity to another, she once, is, once again has taken off every stitch of her clothes. And to, in her naked state, it's forbidden to touch her and uh, all the classroom activity is halted. Um, and no one can persuade her to put her clothes on. Neither the teacher, no staff member. Um, if this continues, uh, she'll have to be removed from the school and placed in an appropriate, maybe even psychiatric setting. And the stressful implication hanging in the air is that the child has been subjected to sexual abuse, possibly within the family. The mother is completely beside herself. Okay, so the question is, she was abnormal. Was she abused? Do we have to assume she has a psychiatric disorder? Um, you know, and in the uh, DSM-5 or the Encyclopedia of Mental Disorders, it's characterized, it's labeled, it's ex exhibitionism um, or it's uh, paraphilia. There are names for this sort of thing. And the fact is, completely meaningless as far as, you, as this goes, as you'll see. Um, so let me tell you about her. She's the product of a family passionately committed to her development, remarkably intelligent. Yes, she has Down syndrome. It's a genetic disorder uh, caused by abnormal cell division, but she can speak three languages. She loves gymnastics, singing, dancing, swimming, playing the piano, cooking, baking, going to the beach, reading, eating cupcakes, ice cream, hugging, and anything yellow. She had been referred to me a year earlier due to having an under-responsive uh, immune system. She'd been chronically ill, unable to remain healthy for more than a few days at a time. She was constantly on antibiotics. She never slept through the night. A finding of elevated levels of ferritin and vitamin B12 were associated with her poor sleep. Um, she had all kinds of evaluations at the neuropsychiatric level, diagnosed with PANDAS, PANS, all kinds of metabolic panels. Um, she was considered to have a serious autoimmune disease. She was sick every single day. So over the course of three months, when I just prescribed a handful of remedies, um, her physical health improved tremendously. In fact, she stopped being sick. So then the aim of continuing treatment was uh, veered away from that to helping her manage her everyday frustrations and to sustain mental focus. She tended to be a little distracted. At the time of the consult, uh, at the time, the phone calls brought to light that apart from the um, disrobing problem in school, um, she had much better impulse control, especially with her clamoring for sweets. That had greatly improved. And even within homeopathy now, interpreting her behavior was a problem. So in homeopathy, we use rubrics, which are descriptions of symptoms. And if I put into my computer program rubric around exhibitionism, um, all kinds of remedies, uh, 399 remedies popped up, and not a single remedy of those that I saw there was appropriate to her. In fact, the major remedy, which is called hyoscyamus for exhibitionism, I knew was completely wrong. Um, so what mattered to me, though, in taking her case was that she loved to collect. And her previous remedy, which was like a podium, had a theme about insecurity. I determined that she was insecure. So that remedy worked well. And there was a pendulum swing from the insecurity to a state of extreme certitude. Okay. So as opposed to being un generally uncertain, she has shifted, shifted into a state characterized by certitude. Uh, this was evident from her suddenly becoming oppositional and defiant, defiant to the point of driving her mother to distraction. Now, a collector... A collector's supposition, she collected things, is that all alike items should be kept together. They should be concerned, conserved. And this was very meaningful to me. Um, home if in homeopathy, these, these specifics of, a, of someone's state, the features, the exact things that they do, that things that they say, the more specific, the stranger, the better. 
So other thing that she had going, what she was clearing her throat a lot, she was gassy. And all these things together, I connected the dots between these things. And I had no doubt that she needed a remedy called Cali Carbonicum, which is made from potassium carbonate. Um, and the people who need that remedy have a black and white mindset. They have a really difficult time with transitions. Um, uh, they just have a very, they, what I call categorical thinking. They see things are one way and not the other. So I struggled with this idea. Well, well, how did that play into her taking your clothes off? Why would that remedy work for that? And then I realized there was no contradiction at all. Um, the remedy, uh, she, her need for certitude is what made her, was actually maybe driving her uh, to take her clothes off. So this is how it worked. Um, her, her nakedness made several, what I would call Cali Carbonicum points. I know who I am and you do not. Um, nothing has changed since I was born. In my birthday suit, this is who I am and who I always have been. My current activity should not change. Don't give me, don't make me go through a transition. Um, and this is absolutely brilliant at the, at the at the subconscious level because it prevented her from being touched and nobody could transition her. So that was my determination. And I thought to myself, wow, this is her remedy. It even fits the gassiness and um, her need to collect. And I said, I think this is what she needs, even though it didn't appear anywhere and didn't make any sense in terms of her diagnosis. I gave her the so remedy. What, and in four days, this, this, the thing disappeared. She, she put her clothes on. <laughs> yeah. I love it. it worked perfectly. <laughs> and you had the evidence with the clothes. Uh, that's amazing, Jerry. And I'm thinking of all the people per perking up right now, of course, thinking, oh, wow, I need to call this man. I don't know if you're still practicing or if you're just writing now and teaching other people. Um, but I'm I'm also wondering, so how does this work? How does this help people? I, I hear you saying this hits on many, many levels. So you mentioned the subconscious, that she had a subconscious, that she had a need for assertive, this is this is who I am in my birthday suit. But how so those of us who don't take part in, in homeopathy, how did how did that help? How does that so different than pharmaceutical? Oh, it couldn't be any any more this uh, unalike. Pharmaceuticals um, they do something, but they have a tremendous number of side effects. And even so, because the reason you've got to take them over and over again, and the doctor says the good outweighs the bad, um, they just cover up the problem. They do not deal with its cause. As with this girl, I think I looked into, I saw pretty much at a deep level what was going on with her. Why I had to under, I had to interpret her symptoms. I had to understand why. She was uh, taking her clothes off in order to prescribe for her. That remedy would not work for some other child that was taking his clothes off. It had to be very, very specific. So uh, homeopathy requires um, really you know, insight into someone. At the same time, the principle is an absolute law of nature using like to cure like. Um, this is not deeply mysterious. The reason you get back on the horse that threw you is that you re-encounter your fear of the horse so that you're never terrified of horses the whole time. You're led around by, let's say, a gentler horse, maybe a pony. And while you're on that horse, that gentler horse, you say, oh, my God, I'm on a horse again. I'm going to be thrown. This is terrible. But by the time it's over, you come back to homeostasis and you say, you know, maybe it wasn't all horses. Maybe it was just that one horse. Now I'm back. I'm back. OK, again. Remedies do that. They are like a little bomb placed deep in the subconscious. And without therapy, they something goes off there because the vital force wants to engage with the spirit of that substance that contains the essence of your problem. And then you get to the other side of it. It does not happen instantly. Um, it usually takes a few weeks. 
um, for you to completely process that remedy. But uh, it's just wonderful. It's just it's just part partnering with the law of nature. You know, in acupuncture, we 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 harmonize the body's energy uh, through the meridians. The body really wants to be harmonized; does not want to be discombobulated. And from a homeopathic standpoint, we are not meant to be in these states all the time. So uh, the remedy simply rea- releases a, a reaction that wants very badly to happen, but has not been ha- able to happen because the stresses have been t- been too big or too severe. That makes a lot of sense, Jerry. A lot of sense. I, you know, I really hope that you are get this book out there in the world, and I hope that there's some other professors listening to this and and perhaps bring it up to your department. I, I know I'm going to bring it up to my department that we need to be including these in our in our teaching so that future psychologists and acupuncturists and well i know they're probably getting it but medicine is getting this information and also the insurance companies i mean come on so um we need to take a quick break jerry um so we'll be right back after the break i have more with jerry Cantor, everyone and we're going to slowly move into his next book which i think it's all going to tie in everyone i really do so we're speaking right now with jerry Cantor, author of sane asylums the success of homeopathy before psychiatry lost its mind after the break we're going to start to get into the toxic relationship cure by jerry Cantor, and we're going to make the link which is the energy, the homeostasis link after the break. So hang in there. From the vibrant soul of Sherrianna Boyle comes Just Ask Spirit on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Monday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Just Ask Spirit is a show that reflects Sherrianna's passion to get this world feeling again. Her belief, emotions are the gateway to the soul. Sherrianna and her lineup of best-selling authors, healers, and visionaries cover a variety of topics related to mental health and spirituality. Don't miss Sherrianna's remarkable insights from the divine at the end of every show. Sherrianna Boyle is all about empowering you. Her life has centered around mindful approaches to healing the mind and body. Her main belief, your emotions matter, Processing them matters more. As a spiritual teacher and adjunct psychology professor, she is the author of nine books that can help empower lives from Emotional Detox Now, The Four Gifts of Anxiety, to Mantras Made Easy, and The Conscious Parenting Guide to Childhood Anxiety. There is certainly a book there for you. Find yours at SherryAnnaBoyle.com. Ever wonder what it's like to have your own radio show? Well, wonder no longer, because you can dip into the radio airwaves by being host for the day on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. It's a fabulous way to get your radio feet wet. It's an opportunity to market your business, modality, or book. Have a guest, mention a sponsor, and take callers. Or you may want to facilitate a lesson by going solo. It's up to you. Listeners can be online, mobile, in cars with Bluetooth, or listen through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For more details, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and click on Host for the Day. Finding unique artisan jewelry can be a problem, especially when you want a handmade custom mala, desire specific crystals and gemstones, or that special quality piece that is a form of your own self-expression. My name is Jillian, owner and designer of Jillian Inspired Designs. Our company mission is to create jewelry that inspires, uplifts, and even empowers you. Why not have jewelry as your personal statement of who you are and all you are becoming? 
We give you unique designs, accentuated with semi-precious gems for healing energies, meaningful symbols, and sacred geometry. Come to us with your custom order or shop our website for high-quality, lovely jewelry for you and your loved ones. Find us at www.jillianinspired.com spelled G-I-L-L-I-A-N-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D.com. And now, use code JUSTASKSPIRIT for 15% off your next purchase. Create a custom mala or special piece with us. We can't wait to inspire you. Imagine if you had a daily practice for processing your emotions that could help you get through past and present challenges. Well, now you do. My new book, Emotional Detox Now, 135 Self-Guided Practices to Renew Your Mind, Heart, and Spirit is out in the world. It includes my signature cleanse system, a mindful practice to help you clear all those toxic reactions so you can begin to feel joy, peace, and ease again. Grab your copy today at SherriannaBoyle.com. Welcome back to Just Ask Spirit. I'm Sherrianna, and I'm speaking with author Jerry Cantor. We were just talking about his new book, which is called Sane Asylums, and we are going to sort of uh, recap that in, in just a moment. And now we're going to be talking about Jerry's view on the toxic relationship cure. He's got a book called The Toxic <laughs> The Toxic Relationship Cure, which is clearing traumatic damage from a boss, parent, lover, or friend with natural drug-free remedies. Okay. So before we get into it, Jerry, could you just repeat what you told me during the break? The difference between acupuncture and homeopathy is... <laughs> well, let me just say this. I didn't tell you this, but uh, both of those okay. things exploit something that I learned in junior high school, which is that any, uh, any the, one of the characteristics of any living thing is irritability. Isn't that funny? Um, you poke it and it reacts. So when you're poking somebody with acupuncture, um, it's a mini, 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 mini stabbing. And when you're poking somebody with homeopathy, it's a mini, 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 mini poisoning. Um, and so you get this paradoxical effect. Obviously, you would never want to be stabbed by a real knife. That's not good. And you wouldn't want to take a real poison. That's not good either. But the correct substance and the correct point um, used in the, in the correct amount, like a tiny acupuncture needle or a, or a highly dilute substance, that... Uh, exploits the irritability of the, of the vital force in a very positive way. Um, so talking, sh shifting lingo, with acupuncture, when that happens, we talk about balancing the energy of the meridians, the chi. In homeopathy, when we do that, it's not so much balancing as causing a revolution at the level of the subconscious, a complete transformation, like a, like a bomb that goes off deep in the subconscious. And then when the dust settles and the air clears, the landscape is completely different and people shift uh, if they have a, a, you know, well, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I talk about in this book, the toxic relationship cure. When people so, who've been traumatized by somebody, uh, by a close family member or a lover or a friend or the spiritual beyond, <laughs> uh, by taking the correct remedy, they are able to overcome that and uh, have a very different perspective about it. It doesn't uh, 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 erase the memory. It's just, it, it just puts the trauma kind of in their rear view mirror. That's interesting. So I, I love that you're bringing that up before we get into it. I just want to clarify with the audience. So is it, if someone's listening and interested in homeopathy, 
are all acupuncturists trained in this or is this an additional training? So, and also, are you still practicing this? Because I just want to make sure I'm guiding them in the right direction here because they're hearing it, thinking that's what I want. Where do they go, Jerry? Is there like, I know you have websites in the Sane Asylum book, correct? You have references? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me say Mm -hmm. this. Uh, I, I happen to be both an acupuncturist and a homeopath. That's not usually the case. So okay. I'm, a hybrid, I'm a hybrid. They are two very different traditions. Uh, acupuncture comes from uh, China. It's 5,000 years old. Homeopathy is very old too, but it's, uh, it's more of a Western, a Western uh, kind of mode of practice. But as I say, what they have in common, I'm a, I'm a philosophically trained person. So I like to figure out what the commonalities are. And as I say, I found this connection between exploiting, around exploiting the irritability of a living thing. Interesting. Uh, we, yeah, you, there are acupuncturists licensed in every state in the country. There are hundreds of them. When I first started out, it was not like that. It was, uh, it was very different. We were called voodoo artists and all kinds of things. Now it's a respectable profession. People come out of Ivy League schools and become acupuncturists. Schools all over the place. Homeopathy has a very different history. It was once uh, a major part of the medical landscape, as, I, as, as I'm trying to teach, and uh, as the pharmaceutical companies would prefer you did not know. Um, yeah. But people like me are practicing basically under um, certifications. Um, the CCH, the Council for Homeopathic Certification, is one such certifying body. The North American Society of Homeopaths has another one. And um, yeah, there's every kind of uh, homeopath. And there's also people who call themselves that who are not homeopaths, who just uh, um, will um, they, they give you the impression that anything gentle is homeopathic. That's not the case. Or if you another two other words that start with H will confuse people, holistic and herbs. Mm. So homeopathy is the law of similars, and you need to find somebody who's actually trained um, in that. The best way would be someone with a CCH or the NACH, NASH credential. Otherwise, you'll get somebody who's sort of just sort of tacking it on to his, what he or she does, and it's not going to be not going to be homeopathy. Okay. So let's just take your, your, this other book, the toxic relationship cure. Let's say that uh, I know a lot of people who've had a toxic boss, Jerry, or toxic situation where they felt, um, you know, that they endured some trauma around a boss. I know my, my husband definitely had that experience where he had traumatic experience with, you know, his boss, uh, one of his bosses, not now. Um, so how, what do they do, Jerry? How can you help them with this book? Oh, uh, well, they might see themselves in, in some of these stories. These stories, uh, this is a popular book because these are, these are fables that are drawn from my caseload. Um, and so I, 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 I give them, it's basically for homeopaths. So they get a very clear idea about what a remedy is for. Um, you would have, uh, I, I think you would read this for your entertainment as a, as a way of getting familiar with how homeopathy works. Um, probably would not want to try to do this for yourself because the potencies used are high and you would not on your own understand the aggravating effects of them because things get worse with, with the remedy because your body is processing something. Just like, yes. as I said, Let's, when you get back on the horse that threw you, you're, you're re-engaging with your fear of the horse. That um, That is so true. And I, I, I like to highlight that because I also tell my clients that as well, that worse doesn't mean worse, <laughs> right? Worse. It's like, it's like anything with a wound, it goes through phases and, and then it hits a fate, you know, sometimes it's kind of ugly and before it gets better, but what you don't want is to stay the same. You don't want to be like, eh, it's not really worse, but it's not really bitter. I always kind of say, 
you know, either, either extreme is good. You're either going to feel better or you're going to feel a little bit worse, but it won't be for too long. Is that what you mean, Jerry, in terms of, I'll put a fine point on that. So here's another way, which homeopathy is completely opposite the existing paradigm. Um, in homeopathy land, an acute illness is a good thing. Uh, if it doesn't kill you, of course, it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And it means that the immune system or the vital force has identified a pathogen or, uh, an insult, you know, mobilized against it, fought it off. And now, now you're back to, back to where you were. Chronic illness is hard, is not what we want. Chronic illness means, oh, every day, you know, things you get by good days, bad days, but the problem is always there. Now in the conventional world, we're, we're taught to be terrified of acute illness. We suppress our fevers, which is ridiculous. Um, we, we take something for every symptom we have, which is ridiculous. Many symptoms we have are just the body for, you know, fighting something off. And we have normalized chronic illness. We've normalized it. I don't have depression. So I'm on my Zoloft every day. And or I don't have asthma. I take uh, my, my inhaler. This is, this is uh, really, really foolish. It's a great economic model. It makes a lot of money for people. But this is not how society gets healthy and how we, how we stay healthy. So a remedy, a re- reaction to a remedy, uh, the, the a remedy tricks the vital force into converting a chronic problem into something like an acute problem. And that happens at every level, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And these stories will tell these stories in this book will show how that works out with regard to uh, toxic interactions with people. So if you're, if you're someone again, who had a t- toxic boss, right. And you, and I see in the book, you talk about the affecting the gastrointestinal tract, affecting in, um, intimidation, for example, if you feel intimidated or are threatened by your boss, what, can you share a little bit about that in terms of yeah, sure, what you sure. learned and what you know that can help people? Because I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jerry, that we, we've normalized chronic illness. It's terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> and, the first and we, chapter, and we do, um, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, clearing the toxic boss. I have uh, maybe seven or eight categories of that. The intimidation example that you gave uh, uh, some, some, some boss who just wants to, you know, just talks about numbers, doesn't you know care about you, someone who won't take no for an answer and so on. Okay. Let's take the, uh, she intimidates me example. The remedy there is like a podium. Now, um, you know, it's very hard to tell people. It's, it's not easy to explain to people that this idea of taking someone's case involves looking at all their symptoms, asking all kinds of peculiar questions. This book is popular because I kind of turned it around and I took an example of something like a, an intimidating boss and I told that story. Uh, but the thing is that the client who's susceptible to that is already prone to being intimidated. And so mm-hmm. the like a podium remedy talks about that. This is a developmental remedy for people. Um, who uh, feel like every interaction has a winner and a loser. You know, they tend to be in deeply insecure. Um, they have all kinds of uh, GI problems. Their stomach rumbles. Everything is political. So even their eating is political. They either eat too much or can't eat enough. They compare themselves with other people. Um, they, uh, they tend to get very distracted. Um, it's prob- probably, you know, when we're very, very young, uh, we go through three gigantic leaps from A to B that... Uh, they're amazing. We, we learn, uh, we, we become weaned from the breast and then uh, have to become independent with regard to food. We have to be uh, toilet trained, which means becoming independent from the diaper, learning how to manage the toilet and timing and learning how to read um, and not just be read to. So each of those, those jumps involve like a tremendous uh, gain of, of, of independence and a core competence. If they don't go well, 
that's the feeding breeding ground for this particular remedy state. And it's very, very common. So the remedy will get somebody out of a, a developmental uh, stuckness. And again, someone like that is likely to attract a boss who's going to intimidate her uh, or go into a relationship with somebody, maybe marry somebody much older than her or have, or even early on, maybe this kind of person might've gotten there, or if it's a woman, gotten their period very early on. Lots of things feed into that dynamic. But I turned I around and I told the story from the standpoint of somebody already stuck there who has then attracted this kind of boss. And the remedy is not just to deal with a boss, but to deal with the, the, the underlying reason why this whole thing has happened. I love this. And I couldn't agree with you more, Jerry. I always say when it comes to emotional detox, it's we it, when you don't allow yourself to process what you feel, what ends up happening is you keep recycling these situations because the person didn't cause the feeling. You showed up with the suppressed emotion, right? That's right. Or the, That's right. Or, or the suppressed reaction. So if you show up, you know, in this in this idea that you know perhaps you deal with your with your emotions by by through codependency, you know, by being a, a rescuer, a people pleaser. You know, you showed up with that. And so you got to clear. And what I hear you is very similar that we're, I don't know what term you use. I use clearing in a way so that you get the core, you get where, where this all began. I love the way you talk about development, Jerry. I feel like we've, we're losing development. I don't, I, it's making, me crazy. I taught development for almost seven years and parent education. And I feel for parents today, there is, it's like development is just out the window. <laughs> yeah. And right. It's like, we don't even have a conversation of some of these things that our children are going through are absolutely developmentally. And, and they're making really big decisions about children um, and never having these conversations. I was just talking to a fellow friend of mine who's um, in the field of psychology, and I'm out. I used to be in the same position that she's in. And I said, is anybody talking about what happened? And she just said, it's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. Nobody by, by talks way, about it. Go ahead. Um, I can tie this into what I was talking about earlier on. So if you give like a podium as a remedy and you're kind of peeling away the onion skin of that of that remedy state, remember I said that's about insecurity, deep uncertitude. Now that little right. girl I talked about, her previous remedy was like a podium. She was in a very uncertain state. She was distracted. She was comparing herself to everybody. After I gave her that remedy, she went into the calicarbonicum state, which I characterized as a pendulum swing completely in the other direction, past the midpoint of its arc to incredible certitude. So that imagine somebody going through uh, like a podium and also get uh, becoming like that. Um, well, I've got a funny story to tell about that. You want to hear a funny story? It's pretty quick. Oh, sure, go uh, ahead. About go about Cali Carbonicum, one of my favorite stories. Um, yeah. I had a client who was a banker, about as conservative as could be. Um, every single person in his family had been Republican uh, on on every side of the family. Republican governor in the family, legislators, uh, mayors. And he was a banker. Uh, he was he he voted Republican by by reflex. This was the uh, election between Gore and uh, and and Bush. And I'd given him Kelly Carbonicum and he showed up in my day, uh, my office the day of the election. And he's sitting there looking at me. I was treating him for for uh, gastric stuff, you know, all kinds of stuff. He's looking at me, staring at me. He said, what? Like I was like I was a crazy person. He said, what did you do to me? What did you do to me? <laughs> I said, what's the matter? What's the matter, Bill? What, what are you talking about? 
I voted Democratic. <laughs> what the hell did you do to me? So again, the, 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 point, the point about Kelly Carbonicum is that deeply traditional, don't like transitions. He was a banker, wasn't going to question that. That's what you did. You weren't, you either, that, you were always that, you weren't that. And he was an environmentalist. He liked that. But the remedy changed something in him. Uh, as again, like a bomb went off in his subconscious and this rain changed. And suddenly he was open to many, many different possibilities. Yeah. And uh, yes, the energy is moving. Changed too. But yes. he, he, <laughs> it was one of my funniest stories. I love it. And yeah. it's, I love it. And it's, it's subtle and it's, it's, it's a great example. It's a great story because I think so many people try to go from the outside, you know, they want to change the world. They want to make the world a better place. And they come, they go from the outside of pressing, you know, views or whatever, however they do it. But what you're saying is this, this goes from inside out and then where the, and then whatever happens after that is happens after that, right? I mean, we really can't control. All we can do is bring the body and the mind and the spirit back into harmony, and uh, and and have this. I love this homeostasis piece. But that I love that story, Jerry. Is there any any final words that you want to share or stories or pieces of wisdom? Because I know you've you know you really dedicated. This is your life work. Um, I honor you for that. And I think so many of us can learn from you, Jerry. First of all, where's your website? Is it jerrycantor.com? Um, I've got two. I've got uh, vitalforcehealthcare.com. And I have my publishing website is uh, right, rightwhalepress.com, like the right whale, R-I-G-H-T-W-H-A-L-E. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad, Sherry, that, Sherry Ann, that we share this perspective about development. Um, you know, children today are not being, you know, we're living in a victimization scenario and everybody, it's, we're becoming a society of blamers. People are losing their sense of their, their grit. That's not being taught. Uh, reliance on the, the intelligence of the vital force to overcome things and confront things. Um, yeah, um, this is a shame. Homeopathy, as I say, partners, partners with the vital force. It doesn't try to overrun it. It does, doesn't make you dependent on drugs that just simply sweep everything under the rug and create new conditions like tardive dyskinesia, which never existed before, or five types of bipolarity. These things never existed before. And people should read the books of uh, Robert Whitaker, by the way, um, who's uh, really damned the psychopharm industry for, uh, on, it, on the basis of its own evidence. Um, yeah, people, uh, it, there's a reason why people are not, do not know about homeopathy. The, the, it is inconven its history is inconvenient, both at the level of history and how it works. It's just simply inconvenient to uh, the, the, the profiteering kinds of medicine. And remember, acupuncture was exactly the same way. You have no idea how acupuncture was stigmatized, made fun of, and resisted. And, uh, and it, it succeeded not because uh, conventional biomedicine helped it. No, people just knew it worked, and they voted with their feet. So things that are true, basically true, they would never go away. But we do have to uh, exert an effort to, to keep them prominent. And we need to, to, to recapture our history, recapture our rights to uh, our own bodies and our own immune systems and our own ability to develop. Um, so absolutely how do that however they can. <laughs> right. And that's, but that's a big reason I wanted to have you on the show. Cause I think the the folks listening to just as spirit, you did, de you deserve to have this information. I think it's important. It is um, it's in our history. And I think when I think of uh, the prison system, which I know so many people know is 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 not working, but imagine, can you just imagine a new model for people for, and also the 
for inpatient, you know, like you said, a lot of people come out of inpatient and they feel like they were in jail, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, not all of them, of course, but you know, we there needs to be a lot of revision. And I think reading a book such as yours, Sane Asylum, and taking a peek at to- the toxic relationship cure. I think it's going to plant some seeds and some ideas and maybe baby steps. We can start to in, in input puts, and I think it starts with education personally. I don't think you make any changes until you fully understand what you're doing. And I hope that some of you out there consider contacting Jerry Cantor, maybe hiring him or having him come to speak and, and brainstorm because um, there's people who have done a lot of work out there. So thank you so much, Jerry, for coming on Just Ask Spirit. Thank you so much, Sherriana. You're a terrific interviewer, and I I really enjoyed that. Thank you. And everyone, I'm going to be right back after the break. We just have a couple more minutes, but I do want to give you a quick message from Spirit. So hang in there, and I'll be right back. Are you looking for a simple way to stay in shape and care for your emotions? Well, look no further. It's Sherrianna here, and I want you to know I have been teaching yoga for over 20 years. My style might be a little different. I include a little bit of cardio, yoga, breath work, and of course, you're going to hear my emotional detox teaching sprinkled in. People describe my classes as therapy. (laughs) So zoom in and practice yoga with me live on Tuesdays at 930 Eastern or Thursdays, noontime Eastern, where you can take it on demand as I record everything. Go to sherryannaboyle.com, click explore memberships to learn more. From the vibrant soul of Sherryanna Boyle comes Just Ask Spirit on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Monday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Just Ask Spirit is a show that reflects Sherrianna's passion to get this world feeling again. Her belief, emotions are the gateway to the soul. Sherrianna and her lineup of best-selling authors, healers, and visionaries cover a variety of topics related to mental health and spirituality. Don't miss Sherrianna's remarkable insights from the divine at the end of every show. Looking for a fun and relaxing getaway? Omega Rest and Rejuvenation Retreats are a great way to unwind and renew your spirit. Sit and read in the garden, explore the woodland trails, or try a daily yoga or meditation class. You can stretch your body, quiet your mind, and do as much or as little as you choose. Located in Rhinebeck, New York, just 90 miles north of New York City, Omega's natural environment and quiet pace allow for extraordinary experiences to unfold. Learn more at eomega.org or call 800-944-1001. When we think of a detox, we usually think of it as a physical experience. But what about a mind-emotional detox? With Sherrianna Boyle's new book, Emotional Detox Now, you get just that. Inside, you will find 135 of Sherrianna's signature cleanses laid out for you. In just five minutes a day, you can enjoy the soothing benefits of an emotional detox. Imagine feeling centered, calm, and free. With an emotional detox now, you can. Grab your book today at your favorite bookstore or go to sherriannaboyle.com. Finding unique artisan jewelry can be a problem, especially when you want a handmade custom mala, desire specific crystals and gemstones, or that special quality piece that is a form of your own self-expression. My name is Jillian, owner and designer of Jillian Inspired Designs. 
Our company mission is to create jewelry that inspires, uplifts, and even empowers you. Why not have jewelry as your personal statement of who you are and all you are becoming? We give you unique designs, accentuated with semi-precious gems for healing energies, meaningful symbols, and sacred geometry. Come to us with your custom order or shop our website for high-quality, lovely jewelry for you and your loved ones. Find us at www.jillianinspired.com, spelled G-I-L-L-I-A-N-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D.com. And now, use code JUSTASKSPIRIT for 15% off your next purchase. Create a custom mala or special piece with us. We can't wait to inspire you. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to Just Ask Spirit. And now we're at the part of the show where I like to give a little message, a little sprinkle a little bit of uh, spirit wisdom as I ask spirit. And I've been asking spirit for many, many years. And that's how the title of the show came came to be, because I'm always saying to my clients, let me just ask spirit. <laughs> and then and then it dawned on me um, one day, I was like, oh, that would be a great show to talk about that. And I hope that you ask spirit as well. Um, anybody can ask spirit. And I am actually writing on that now. Um, so I'll be delivering that in the in the future. But for now, in terms of the spiritual message, what spirit suggested and is we just heard about timelines, right? So we heard from Jerry Cantor that from 1875 to 1920, there were many, many hospitals that were using homeopathy, correct? And using it well. And it sounds like a very humanitarian kind of a approach. And I know just from teaching psychology that in the 50s is when we started to really get into that pharmaceutical, mental hospitals. And on it, quite honestly, we started numbing people. We started drugging them, numbing them, and they weren't even alive, right? So there, were, there was no, let's move the energy, let's connect you to the life force. There was none of that. It was more of a deadening that was happening. And very often the in these hospitals were understaffed and under-trained. And of course, that led to terrible situations. And some of that is still happening today. So if you're someone in healthcare, I know many people that I work with that work in residential centers, very kind, hardworking people, but they're absolutely overworked and underpaid and suffering themselves from a lot of chronic illness. So my hope is through this show that I can bring you information then somehow can help change things for the better for all of us. In terms of just asking spirit, what spirit just said was <laughs> after hearing all those timelines, let go of timelines. Okay. Don't, don't get so fixated on them, meaning past and future that it keeps you stuck. Right. So a lot of us, we think timelines, we think results and Spirit really wants you to loosen your grip on that because we are timeless. We are infinite beings. And this time thing is a human thing, right? So don't lose sight of your high spiritual self here and tap into your unlimited abilities, which is timeless and infinite and everlasting. 
So as we end the show together today, I want you to just, if you're not driving, put your hands in front of your heart center or hold your heart center. Take a nice deep breath with me. Inhale and exhale. And then I want you to repeat these words. I am a infinite being of light. I am an infinite being of light. I am capable. Repeat those words. I am capable. I'm resilient. I am powerful. And I am magnificent. Yeah. And I bow to you. My spirit and me bows to the spirit in you. Thank you for listening. And please share this with your friends. Subscribe, rate us, all that good stuff that you have, that you do to keep keep the word out there. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. Join Sherrianna next time to continue this remarkable journey of discovering the amazing power of your emotions. Reach out to Sherrianna directly on SherriannaBoyle.com. Share your comments and ask your Just Ask Spirit questions. Until next time, remember, your emotions matter. Processing them matters more. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.